What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, join with Matt, as always. Uh, Matt, I'm just going to be brutally honest. I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing because we have way too much to get into. I hope you're doing okay. Uh, Let's get right into it. You can have the floor here. The Mets sold and they sold big time. Uh, And it is after getting swept by the Royals. Is that official, right? Uh, Did they take the first game? I'm not sure. I think they might have gotten swept. But there was a bunch Matt, of games that they should have won, um, but you know, yes. you know me. I'm, it's football season for me now, but uh, but I definitely have a lot to say about the Mets. Yeah, and I'm gonna say before even you know didn't want to even get into how your day was doing. Don't care about that. I think our listeners only care about the Mets and the Yankees and the local team. So the floor is yours. Tell us about the Mets. Well, thanks. That was about the last thing I needed before I headed right to the Driscoll Bridge. But uh, <laughs> the Mets, as we all know, they blow it up. All right, they they went into this year. They brought in two dinosaur pitchers. And listen, you know, Verlander was great last year. Verlander was great this year. Uh, But it just simply didn't work out. And I guess part of me wants to tip my cap to the Mets for, um, you know, the lack of delusion. Um, You know, if this was the Wilpon era, those pitchers wouldn't even be here. But there certainly wouldn't be any uh, room to uh, outspend your mistakes. So there's two different narratives here. So Scherzer gets dealt. You get a nice prospect out of him. And we hear that Billy Epler tells Scherzer, you know, listen, next year, maybe even until 26, we're not really contending for a title. We don't really expect to be competitive. Which is a crazy thing uh, to say, but continue. Yeah. And then you have Steve Cohen yesterday, and this is after the Verlander trade, where you got two more prospects. Listen, the Mets kind of, they did well. Um, You know, we'll draw parallels to the Yankees. I know they're completely different scenarios, but I think the Mets realizing their errors I think they did well because we didn't even know that you were going to be able to deal uh, Max Scherzer and they do. So then after the Verlander deal, we hear from Steve Cohen yesterday that no, 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 we still have a core here. You know, we love the catcher. I think Beatty's, you know, going to be a year, a year older. You still have Nemo. You still have Alonzo. You still have Lindor. You still have McNeil. So you're locked in with like a decent core. So I, I think that I don't know which side I lean closer to being the truth. But I could see the Mets still being competitive next year. I mean, they could probably be more competitive than the team that they rolled out uh, that went to the World Series back in 2015. There's still pieces there. So I I think where I land now is this is a complete and utter disappointment. And it's not going to get better until you have a real baseball guy in the building. Whether that's going to be Stearns, I don't know. But, I mean, we even heard it this past offseason that – you know, the Mets brass didn't really want to go fetch Justin Berliner. And Steve Cohen said, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. And he still has that three to five, you know, we're going to win a championship in this many years thing out there. So I, I don't know how bumpy the next couple of years are going to be. But I think just once you get over how embarrassing it was, how big of a failure it was, um, I think the Mets did the right thing. And I guess I commend them for that. And I don't really want to see any more big spending or anything like that until we have a real baseball guy in the building because Billy Epler's just not. And I couldn't agree with all of that anymore. Uh, I, I think I think you said it perfectly. Uh, that's why, you know, you could, I told you you could have the floor. So perfectly said, I agree. And I think a good way to look at it, too, is uh, I heard this. I, I don't I don't want to, like, take credit for it. I just also can't remember who said it. But someone said, if you told Steve Cohen that you could pay, what is it? What are they paying between Scherzer and Verlander's contract? Like 60, 70 million? Yeah, I think they're at the. I think Verlander is at what forty five a year. Yeah, and then Scherzer was what twenty something. Uh, 
that they're paying that they're paying i think i i'm pretty sure it's it's going to be like 70 combined but um but i mean regardless it's a lot of money i mean there's a lot of like when you look at the money that the mets are eating you know whether it's cano whether it's verlander whether whether it's scherzer i think it's like 132 million dollars that's higher than 10 teams entire payrolls well, yes. Yeah, so, so, all right. So yes, but you can also look at it like this. Would you, if you're Steve Cohen, would you have signed up for one loss season and $70 million to pay to, in order to rebuild from top to bottom? Yeah, but I, I don't really feel like they're rebuilding from top to bottom. I feel like they're, they just kind of got rid of the couple of mistakes that were made. Well, I mean, when I say rebuilding from top to bottom, I'm not saying necessarily like at the major league level, I'm saying they rebuilt this system from top to bottom, they got rid of the high price contracts. They got rid of the old and, and they brought in a lot of new younger prospects that now you have a, a legitimate farm system. And now, like you said, where I, I agree with you now you have you, like you still have your pieces that are young homegrown guys like Alonzo, like Alvarez, uh, not homegrown, but Lindor is going to be there for a while. McNeil Beatty. The, I mean, they just have a whole bunch of guys that are homegrown and young, let them grow for a year. Let them play. See what you can do next year. I agree. I don't think they're going to be, you know, they're not going to get swept by the Royals every every series next year. But I think they're going to be able to compete. And then I think, like they said, uh, I think not next year, but the year after, the Mets are going to be a real a real issue. And I think they've done it right. And I, I, think, I think I agree with their moves. I think I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I mean, like Steve Cohen's always been preaching, like we want to be the Dodgers of the East, meaning we want to win now. And we want to build the farm system up. Yep. And this isn't the way they wanted to do it. You know, you look at a lot of teams that tank and that's kind of how they build the farm system. And then they become great Orioles, Astros, et cetera. This was kind of just a way of admitting to themselves, okay, this didn't work, but now we have an opportunity to get a jump start uh, on the farm system now and kind of try to reach the goal backwards. Um, you know, it, yeah. it's not in accordance with the it. original plan. So, and it was really all they could do. I mean, yeah. what, what else was the put with their 12% chance of making the playoffs? Just ride it out, try to get in there, hang on to Verlander next year. It, it, you know, th- this was the best uh, case scenario, best option for the Mets, I think. Yeah. And, and again, like, I, I think the only drawback to all of this is, well, not the only one, because because you spent a lot of money this year, you're actually going to lose out on some on a let you're going to get lesser draft picks because of penalties and whatnot. But that's I mean, that's you're going to do that anyway. So uh, if you're I think everything they did was right. I think that this was again, these these prospects could pan out to nothing, but they could also pan out to be trade pieces and they could also pan out to be really good. Like a lot of people, a lot of people are projecting the return to be. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're a meth fan and you're not happy about this, I, I've heard like the, the thought of, oh, it was like a couple days too early talking about the David Robertson thing. And then I think like something that's kind of getting undersung and I kind of, I, I kind of butt in there when you were, when you had a, uh, your, your little Met monologue there. But when they said like, all right, we're not getting, we're not going to compete next year. We're going to go for 2026. Was it or 20? Yeah. 2026. That's crazy to say. You should never say that. And I wouldn't be surprised if like MLB sort of not, maybe not cracked down, but the MLB kind of told them like, Hey, don't, don't say that. Like, don't, we get it, but don't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you hear me now or is this muted? No, you're good now. Um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I get it, um, but it's not like the Mets put that out as a, 
as a public statement, you know, it was really just kind of, I think Scherzer was the one to leak it and then Cohen had to face questions about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but now that it's out, it's like, I just don't think it's like the greatest look on the team, you know, and and then that'll lead me into my next question. I was going to ask you if that's the case, do you think there's a chance they trade Alonzo? I, the thing is, I don't know if it makes sense or not. Cause if you're saying that we're going to have one gap year, where we're not going to be all that competitive. And I think they're still going to be semi-competitive. Like I think they'll, they can, they still have an opportunity to be like a fringe postseason team. Um, if it's only going to be that one year, I mean, how do you trade Alonzo? I just he, yeah. like say what you want about him. I, I get the average this year. He's a legitimate, like 40 home run, hundred RBI kind of power productivity bat every year. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's the route they're going to go. I think this was really just we have to sell off these couple of mistakes. I think the, you know, that phase of the rebuild or whatever you want to call it is kind of over. Um, But listen, there's still contracts here that are going to be tough. I mean, Marte is not having a good season. He's here for two more years. Yeah, that's going to be rough. That's a rough one. Um, I mean, but at the same token, you still got you're going to get a lot of production from young guys next year. So, like. It's yeah, obviously Marte is is not going to look like the best contract, but it's not like you're going to save money elsewhere kind of thing. It's not going to be so detrimental. And it's also Steve Cohen. He doesn't care about starting Marte's contract. No, no. And honestly, in the rotation, I mean, you have a couple of guys with good contracts. I mean, I love Kode Senga so far. I think Quintana's looked good since he, uh, you know, came off of injury. Uh, It's a a dead rotation at the moment, but I, I don't think it takes much to turn this team back into a contender. And I get that they're saying it could be a couple of years. I totally get it. Um, but I, I, like I said, there is a real core in place, like a, like a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, again, I think the core of Alvarez, Alonzo, Lindor, uh, I mean, Beatty's been like a little bit up and down this year, but Beatty, yeah. Nimmo is going to be there for a while. I mean, they're like Neil's coming off a batting title, a little bit of a yeah. down year, but I still think he's a tremendous hitter. Yeah. And I, again, that's a lot of pieces. So my, my question, I guess my, my last question I have about the Mets would be like, if, if everyone kind of agrees that, all right, you guys have your core, everyone's good. Like, how do you not like add to it and then compete? Like, I don't know how this team just goes another year of tanking, not tanking. But well, yeah. Like, Cause that's, that's the whole thing. Like, that's what I don't understand because why would it take one year? Are you saying in a year you're going to spend again? Or, like, why not just spend now then? I'm not really yeah. understanding Retool. Like, the verbiage of, like, oh, 2025. 20- I, I just don't – I don't get yeah. what that means or, or That's why. It's I would understand if it was the NBA, like, if you're, you know, waiting waiting for, like, a pick or something. But uh, unless unless they just don't spend and they and Steve Cohen says, no, you know what, we I just dished out $80 million to rebuild the farm system. Let's see what this farm system can do. And the call up. Uh, you know, Mauricio and and just let them have their run. And I guess what all the Yankee fans beg for and quote unquote play to kids. Maybe that's what they do, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think this like you're gonna see this offseason. Like I think the Mets do take a giant step back in terms of like this offseason, you're not gonna see their name involved in oh, yeah. you know every big player that hits the market. I, I just don't think yeah. that's what happens this year. Um, and I understand that, but I, I just I don't get what changes from this year to next year. Whether you see prospects, whether you don't, um, what's good? And maybe it's just that like the market for starting pitching this offseason is not good. Um, yeah, that can play a part. But 
you know, you brought in some trade pieces. Maybe at the deadline next year, we see them bring in some names with these guys that they just acquired. Because I don't think Steve Cohen's ever taken back the we're going to win a championship in five years. I think he's going to live and die by that. So, like you said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if anything they just recouped is all just uh, going to be traded later. I don't know how much this bolstering the farm system is a, is a real thing um, compared to just being like we had to get rid of these couple of contracts because it's not working out this year. And also, too, there's a uh, perhaps the biggest fish in the entire ocean that's going to be a free agent this year. So to say that is like almost just saying like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to sign, uh, you know, the best baseball player to in the last hundred years we're good right yeah i think that, that they weird? took themselves out of that conversation yeah yeah which is weird like because if if you're steve cohen and everyone you know there's a contingent of met fans that think that you know he was brought here like for otani or for a huge like move like otani or his wallet at least uh i think there's a bunch of met fans that are like okay like so y- we brought the richest owner to rebuild the bottom of our organization that's what we did you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's that why I'm saying there, there's, there's part of me that's wondering, like, how much of what they said to Scherzer was to just get him to agree. Um, that too. That to too. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's like a little, I guess a little bit tinfoil hat there, but. I guess so. But they basically said, oh, this is crazy because the next time we're going to contend is like right when your contract ends. That's insane. Huh. <laughs> that's, that's actually kind of funny that you put it like that. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, I, if you're a Met fan, I think it's obviously, uh, you know, tough to say now, like, you know, be happy with what, what happened. But like, I think this offseason, once the dust settles and you realize that, you know, the Braves are winning the entire the World Series the entire year, it's not going to it'll it'll be easier to swallow, I guess. No, than, and than, then what's going to be great for the Mets is when Ronald Acuna says, like, listen, like, I want out. I'm making a hundred million dollars and I'm a top three player in the league. I'd like to go play with my brother over in uh flushing Queens. That's, I think that's the whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the younger Cunha has been doing the chops since he was born. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anything else on the Mets you wanted to cover before, uh, before we get over to the, I guess. No, the good I mean, side it's, of town? Just, it's, it's just, a, I didn't think so early that I wasn't going to be watching baseball in September with this team. You mean you weren't watching uh, Carrasco dominate the uh, Royals yesterday? How many home runs did they have? Like six? I don't know, but he's unserious. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not a legitimate <laughs> player. He's he's kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he he really is, and and I think uh, it's me a lot. Uh, he's just gonna have to pitch, right? Like someone's gonna have to pitch. Yeah, I think you're gonna see a lot of McGill. Uh, you know, guys like that. Jose Butto. Yeah, love love me some Jose Butto days. Um, all right. Well, I, I, I give you the floor on the Mets. I think I'm going to take the floor here on the, the Yankees. Um, I don't, I don't really have much to say about them because it's so effing confusing sometimes with them. Not sometimes even all the time. I mean, they, they go through this deadline and you know, you the beginning of the deadline, you hear Soto Otani. Uh, they're in on this guy. They're in on that guy. They have their scouts here. They're looking at Bellinger and then they do, actually nothing and it it's like there's the organization is so you're again i get it you're you're only you know two three games out of a wild card spot the yankees believe that getting into the playoffs is a crapshoot so i get it just get to the dance and then you can start dancing i get it i understand not throwing the season but then to do nothing right to to not even add to not get a even a 
give me a, someone that has played left field in the past in the MLB. Just get me so, a warm body that has played left field. Bring him in, right? Um, they they get a, a, a relief pitcher, which, knock, knock, the Yankees have the best uh, bullpen in all of baseball, I think, still, even though they're not uh, – they haven't been performing that well of late. But I yeah. digress. They – they don't get a left fielder. They don't get anyone for the field and they're, they're going to do what the Yankees do or what I feel like the Yankees do at a lot of deadlines that they're going to say, we didn't make the big splash because we got Nestor coming back. We got Loiska coming back. Judge is getting healthier. Stanton looks like he's heating up. Those are going to be our quote unquote additions. That's what they're going to say. I think it's ridiculous. I think that there it is. This is the, the, absolute epitome of a uh, directionless franchise right now. I think that any false hope that I'm getting from this team is just immediately just shot down uh, by some other ridiculous move, whether it be Rizzo going to the injured list after having a concussion since May, hitting 100, not even being able to see the ball. It's kind of impressive that he's hitting 100 if you think of it like that. And then on top of that, and it's kind of sad, and we'll talk about this at length, but the Domingo situation, guy throws a perfect game, goes through a little bit of a struggle, and then this whole story about alcohol abuse and uh, throwing tantrums uh, while I'm going to presume he was drunk in the dugout and arguing with Aaron Boone. And I think there was even a quote that said he was making fun of Ron Marinaccio for being sent down to AAA. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. And it's like – this is, I said this the other day in our group chat, this is the craziest Yankee season I could ever remember. And like, I think I, I every time I think of that, I kind of laugh, but the, looking back on it in like 10 years, five years from now, Domingo's perfect game is going to be the craziest thing to ever happen on a baseball field. That is that that guy threw a perfect game and everything else that transpired after that with everything else that happened in this Yankee season is going to be looked at as like the craziest thing. Yeah, it's going to be a fun tidbit. Like, it's going to be like, yeah. like kind of like, I forget who it was that threw a perfect game and got sent down like a week or two later. Um, yeah, we, we had the Doc Ellis uh, LSD no-hitter, and now we have the, the drunken perfect game. Crazy. And did you see that in that article about this, uh, his most recent, uh, or not his most recent, his like tantrum thing he threw in the locker room, that they were trying, they, they put, I think it said they put him in the sauna to try and get it to sweat it out. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, they they have a strong clubhouse over there. The Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing like like a cartoon of like all the Yankees like shoving Domingo into a sauna, like 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 Rizzo for some reason. I don't know, just first one that comes to mind. Just hey, get in the sauna, get in the sauna, get in the sauna. Ridiculous. Um, did you have some sort of Jorge and Derek Jeter sauna story you wanted to share one day? Um, it's not my story to tell, but I, I think that uh, you know people who aren't blind they they know the truth about Jeter and Posada. If you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll get to that in another episode, but uh, I guess now that we're kind of, we're kind of talking about Domingo, the Domingo thing is, is sad. All jokes aside, because you think about this guy's like last year of his, of his life, I guess he gets, um, he, or last couple of years, he has the incident of uh, the domestic assault incident. Um, which In is front of all of his teammates, by the way, at a charity event. Yeah. Again, Obviously, he just seems like a reckless kind of guy. But, you know, after that, he gets uh, suspended. Then he comes back and he's struggling at the beginning of the year. He has his ups and downs. He gets suspended for that sticky stuff incident. Right. 
comes back, I think like a month or two later, his, I think his father died was his either his father, or his grandfather, I believe it was his father dies. Then he throws the perfect game and then he has his armpit discomfort. And then I think it was the next day that he, he showed up to the stadium, apparently drunk. That's a crazy, like the guy, the guy's like, that's kind of sad to me. Like think what you want, but like the guys obviously had a, had a lot to deal with over the past year. Yeah, no, and you know I don't I mean? want to test any aspersions on anyone's life that's not mine, but I mean, it's kind of, you know, you go back to that that incident at the event, I think it was CeCe Sabathia's event with his wife, and you kind of, you know, at this point, you kind of go, well, that's what alcohol does. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all this was uh, kind of fueled by alcohol. So, yeah, yeah no, it's definitely sad. Um, just a, a, a very strange, perfect game to be thrown uh, he won't be returning to the team this season. I don't know how much that really hurts them. He's been, uh, you know, he's been on the side of awful lately. Do you just, just outside looking in the armpit discomfort that he can't pitch. And then he goes out there and he's lights out for five innings. Do we believe that this was an armpit issue or do we think that these were linked? Cause it's just strange for it to have been the day after that everything I, kind of starts to come out. I think it's linked. Well, I was, I'm the answer is I'm not sure, but if I had to guess, I actually would guess like it's linked, but the other way, like, I don't think that he showed up drunk the day before. I think what happened was, or my theory is he, the, he was supposed to start. They scratched him because of like a slight armpit discomfort. And look, we know the Yankees, they're like super precautious with these guys, especially starting pitchers. And he showed up was throwing and he's like, Oh, you know, damn, my, my arm hurts a little bit, like whatever. Cause he saw the doctor, like the doctor, like they, they said they the Yankees reported that he went to the doctor. They no way they lie about that. Right. So right. I think he showed up, felt a little discomfort, went to the doctor and you know, the doctor's like, you're good. Just a little bit like a strain or whatever. And then because of like the timing of things, the Yankees said, all right, well, look, we'll, we'll keep you available, you know, but we, we can call up uh burrito and he can start. And obviously it looked ridiculous because Domingo came in later in the game and threw five scoreless innings. But I think, you know, he probably, again, that was just another thing that went on in like Domingo's like life. That was like, dude, I just missed out on the start. And like, I, you know, I couldn't even get a win. Like I just pitched great. And like, they're, they're doing anything to kind of replace me sort of thinking. So then probably that just probably strained on him and led over to the next day. So that's how I think it might, it might be linked the other way than what people think. I think. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so. But to be honest, you know, again, very sad. Hope I truly do kind of hope the best for Domingo. I uh, hope he gets his, his life together, really. Um, but uh, for the Yankees and the roster construction sort of thing, kind of makes it a little bit easier for them because they were going to have to make a tough decision if everyone was healthy. You know, whether that would be Severino, who's pitching tonight, uh, that if they move him to the bullpen, if they move Clark, who's been pitching very well. Uh, Clark Schmidt, I, I heard this stat the other day, I couldn't believe it. He has the third most starts. I think it's consecutive, a third most consecutive starts or third most starts in baseball over the past year that have of allowing three or fewer runs. I was like, whoa, Clark Schmidt. I feel like when I hear of Clark Schmidt, like I think it's like 18 straight starts. He has like, uh, or maybe 18 total in the last calendar year of less than three uh, earned runs. Which is like, okay, Clark Schmidt, like, you know, maybe he didn't, he only went one or two innings or, you know, three, four innings most of the time. But still, it's like, you know, you tell the Yankees that, you know, Clark Schmidt's on the hill, you got to score at least four runs or at least three runs. That's, that's a good deal, I think, for Clark Schmidt day. (laughs) Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. So I, um, I just, I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah. yeah, again, it just made it easier for them because now Nestor's going to come back tomorrow and then they'll just move Brito down. Yeah. So, I mean, and tonight a, a big start for Severino, who's just, he's been terrible. Um, if the Yankees yeah. still have eyes set on October and, you know, not to sound like the Yankees, but it, it's right there. It's right in front of them. They're not too far off. Um, this is a big prove it start for Severino. Cause I don't even know how you could trust him out of the bullpen at this point. Um, yeah. in terms of an October outing. Well, I'll say this about tonight. And if I know the Yankees, I, I could be completely wrong here. I could have their thinking backwards, but my best guess, and tell me, tell me which part of this thinking you would disagree with. I think tonight the Yankees look at this game and say, all right, Severino's on the Hill. He's been absolute shit, like just terrible. Not, he can't even get us out of the, you know, third inning, fourth inning. Uh, we played judge last night. We have two more games against these guys at home. We already won the first game. We're going to punt this game. Severino, look, you go have the, you have something to fight for your starting rotation pitch for the starting rotation and win us this game. And then we could talk about your next start. So I think what the Yankees are going to do is they're going to say, we're going to DH stand no judge today. And we're just going to throw out our punt lineup, whoever it's going to, you know, we're going to see a, uh, I wouldn't be stunned to see Oswaldo in left uh, stay or Oswaldo in right IKF in left and, uh, or McKinney, one of those, not, not judge. I think no judge. And I think they tell Severino, look, man, just, just go have a day. And I think tomorrow's the day tomorrow and Sunday are the days that they're going to, they're going to really try and put like an A lineup out. Do you agree or disagree with that thinking? Yeah. I think tomorrow the Yankees actually see um, Matt Leifer. I think they're talking about building a statue next to Seaver, Justin Verlander to make his oh, first yeah. start back. So uh, th- I'm sorry. I left that out, but yes, they're seeing Verlander again tomorrow who they saw, what, like a week ago. Something like that. Yeah. And who he, he dominated them, but there's a very, very like new age sort of theory. Now that's I've noticed that's been going around in baseball. That's people don't like when pitchers face the, the same lineup very soon. Like, so for instance, like well, it's the same thing, like being your third time around the lineup, you know, ex- exactly. So like, you know, the Yankees just saw him. So, I mean, obviously it's Verlander. It's a little bit different. He's a stud. It's the Astros, you know, they're not going to skip him in the rotation, but I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees throw out their a lineup tomorrow and they actually hit, they actually hit Verlander. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he shut them down a week ago. The Yankees just saw him. Right. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, if the Yankees get shut out tonight and maybe last night was just an anomaly of or last two nights are just anomalies of this uh, otherwise feeble offense, um, you know, but if the Yankees lineup shows up tonight and now they've got three games in a row where they've they've uh, have had some good production, um, maybe maybe I'll start believing, you know, win three or four from the Astros and we could start talking. Um, but, yeah, I just think, you know, as an overarching look of this team, it's it's a. Uh, you know, it's a tough spot because they had very little to sell. They they didn't make any additions. And I, I mean, I guess I mean, I guess they have to spend this offseason. Like, yeah, well, what else yeah. Are you so do? Let's, let's go back to the deadline, then, because obviously they didn't add anything. Um, and they also didn't lose easy. anything. I'll it's give almost them like a cop out to say, well, they don't have anything to sell. Like, you're going to tell me that they couldn't have gotten creative somehow. I mean, they're in last place. And it, listen, I'm not against the Yankees buying if they did that, especially if they were able to pick up like a Soto. I know the Padres aren't exactly selling, but a guy with control, they already didn't buy. And then they didn't sell anything. And I just, 
it's too easy to say they have no one to sell. I didn't think the Mets were going to be able to sell Scherzer. Now, obviously, that's a shorter contract. They're easier to move. But for the Yankees to have done nothing is, even if they wanted to soft sell or soft buy, they didn't do either one. They basically, until they saw like, oh my God, we're the only team who didn't do anything. Let's bring in a reliever real quick. They did nothing. I, I just, I don't, just walk me through that. I don't understand. Well, well, let me, there was a report that came out earlier this week about, um, or maybe like two, I guess earlier this week, about um, the, how Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman had like four or five deals. I think the names that they threw out were Bader, Glaber, um, I think Marinaccio and Severino. There were deals for those four guys lined up. And the report was that Cashman brought those deals to Hal to get approved and Hal said no. So what it looks like to me is, again, directionless franchise that has Brian Cashman wanting to do one thing and Hal Steinbrenner wanting to do another. Or I guess maybe not wanting to do. I think they both want to win. But I think that they're, they're looking at it a little bit differently because Hal doesn't, Hal doesn't want this team to do what the Mets are doing right now. That, yeah, that doesn't fly in the world. I think that Hal is terrified of missing the postseason. Y- yes, and, it's, and that's why I think they, in a closed-door meeting, one-on-one with Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner, Hal Steinbrenner, I bet, said, all right, look, don't do anything. Don't sell those guys. If we miss the, pl- I'll bet that if we miss the playoffs, I'm going to spend this offseason or we're going to spend this offseason. We're going to be sure to make the playoffs next year. I think that's what how Steinbrenner would say to Brian Cashman. And then Brian Cashman said, okay, I'll hang on. I, you know, I can get behind this team. I believe in this team as well. Although I think that, you know, numbers wise, it might be a little bit tough for us to move up because the teams ahead of us are just really good. And this could be a great opportunity to sell. And I think that maybe I'm not saying they had some sort of handshake deal, but I think that there will be either vast changes or vast spending if the Yankees don't miss uh, if the Yankees miss the playoffs this season. And I think that's kind of the way how going to kind of recoup the Yankee fan uh, interest, I guess, for, uh, for missing the playoffs. Agree or disagree? No, I would agree with that. I don't know what their yeah. probability is right now, but where, where's your confidence level that they're able to kind of sneak in? And well, do you think it would be better for all parties if they didn't get it? Well, uh, so – First of all, it's right in front of them, if you didn't know. Um, yeah, they tell me every day. <laughs> um, second, I think that – I think both things you just said are right. I think that it, it is best for them probably to have the wake-up call of not making the playoffs this year and then either whether that means selling off or having some sort of organizational changes or that means going out and spending to fix your problems on a – on an Otani, on a Soto, on a whoever you want to fill in. Um, I think that is true. But I also think that, you know, this team, if you, if you can talk me into, you know, Stanton's been, been hitting the ball really well. Judge has is, is been producing ever since he got called up. If Rizzo is really hurt and we don't have that hole in the lineup, and then, you know, let's say we get IKF to continue, and now we, we can start talking about, you know, possibly sneaking in, but again, I think the the teams above them are just really, really good. You know, it's going to be tough to to face the Blue Jays again and, and really feel confident about beating the Blue Jays with this team, you know? Yeah, they have to but, leave then, a ton of teams in terms of talent. and in A, a ton of good teams, though. It's not, it's not like, you know, 
it's not like the you're just the the uh the blue jays got hot for you know two months out of the year but they really are kind of overachieving the blue jays are more underachieving and you're still have to chase them you know what i mean they're they're it's it's not as easy as it once previously was and just the fact that the schedule changed that you don't really play your division that much uh so the the not that the division was ever you know in uh in their hands, but those are the teams you're chasing. You want to be playing the Orioles. You want to be playing the Blue Jays or uh, the Rays. And and you want to be playing your division, to be quite honest, because that's who is in front of you. So my yeah. confidence level right now, I, if I had to put a number to it, I, I'd say I'm probably 65. They don't make the playoffs. 35. They do. I'll say that'll yeah, be my, my confidence fair. level right now. Yeah. Um, but uh Anything else you wanted to add about the Yankees? Uh, the Rizzo thing, I guess, it's just ridiculous. I don't really get it. Like, you know, how does this guy have a concussion for two months? And shockingly, yeah, even, this is the worst hitter in baseball. A concussion for two months. I don't know. That's. I mean, I said it's like impressive that he even hit a hundred. Yeah, it's like when he, he was even starting see. to feel better, would he just bash his head against the wall? Yeah, well, he said that. I think he said like some quote about like you know every morning felt like he woke up hungover. Nice. So I think something something to that effect. But back yeah, in my I, day, you would go headhunting at Rizzo tonight. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's it's perplexing. It really is. I, I there's a lot of questions as organization. It's going to be interesting off season to say the least. Um, but from one interesting off season, we'll get into what it was an interesting off season, and I guess still an interesting off season in. Football land, uh, because again we have the Jets. Is it Sunday that the Hard Knocks is premier- is premiering this Sunday night? Is that August eighth? I think August eighth is premiere night. That's Tuesday night. Oh, I thought it was Sunday. That August yeah. Sunday is the sixth. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is Tuesday night. Okay, but well, nonetheless, we had talked about Hard Knocks before. I think if you have a problem with it, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, you and I talked about we don't really watch the one Jets drive thing, but HBO does an incredible job with just about everything. Um, it's just more content around the team. I, I don't believe in a hard knocks curse or anything like that. Um, and I think it'll be interesting, especially because, you know, this is really the first Jets team we've had in forever to, to be excited about. So any extra content they want to throw my way, that's, that's great for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I, I agree. I think if you're, you know, you're mad about this, grow up, to be honest. It's just, they're doing it anyway. Like they're, you're, you're right. Like it's, it's there, like whether it's, you know, social media teams or uh you know hbo or whoever's filming the again the what do you say one jets drive people are there filming there's cameras there it's not going to make so much of a difference like relax yourself but uh i'm just i don't know did you watch the game last night the the was the hall of fame game is that what they call it yeah i watched a couple you know i wanted to watch some zach wilson i wanted to watch makai i think that was the biggest thing for me because uh, with this team, I think if there's going to be one thing that holds them back, it's going to be the offensive line. And more specifically, it's going to be the tackles. So last night, Mekhi Becton was slated to play 25 snaps, and uh, he only played seven. And he hasn't been healthy really for more than 10 minutes in his entire NFL career. Anything they can get for him at this point production-wise is a blessing for the Jets. Um, I think that's really where they, uh, they're going to struggle. Um, they met with Dalvin Cook last week. He left without a contract. He still does not have one, though. So uh, I guess he could still hold out hope that they're going to bring in, um, you know, a bolstering running back like Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure how much of a difference that makes. I wish they would have just shored up the offensive line a little bit. But, I mean, to say that the Jets only have one hole, 
um, it's it's kind of amazing because it's been you know every year we would go into a draft and like the Jets' needs would be every position on the football field. So uh, you know you hope Aaron Rodgers still has the athleticism to kind of be able to deal with it. But I, I think last night really for me, I wanted to see Mackay back and go out there play all those snaps um, and look good. And you're gonna try to move him to right tackle, I guess. But that uh, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I I'll be honest. I did not watch uh, this game was on at a at a bar I was at after my softball game last night, so I was kind of watching in a bar setting. Uh, I did watch like the the condensed game or whatever that they had on YouTube. Uh, so I saw like some of like the the big, bigger highlights. Uh, Zach Wilson had a nice throw. Yeah, uh, but Darrell didn't look Revis that good. Is an absolute unit nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I I saw that he. Uh, hey, what are you, you're in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, well, see what else does he have to live for? You know, just just live it up. Why not? Yep. Right. So I'm sure he is. Uh, Revis Island. What did you say before? Revis Island is uh, is something about his weight. A joke about his weight. <laughs> oh, I didn't say it, but it was like Revis Island is something. It has been uh, been to too many. Has too many restaurants or something like oh, that. I saw something that said the only thing Daryl Revis is shutting down nowadays is a Golden Corral. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's a big boy, so. Uh, I don't know, but it's cool to see him around though. I, I like that. He's kind of like a little bit involved. Maybe it's a little bit loserish that he's like now involved now that it's, they're good. Is that, yeah. you get that vibe at all? Yeah. I mean, I think it's loserish that he fights on social media with everyone and everything regardless yeah. of age, but I'm sure like, I'm honestly from like a fan perspective, that's annoying, but like the players probably like that. Like yeah. the guys who are there now, like Rogers is probably like digging that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, probably. So you know, I, I don't necessarily hate it. He could, he's Darrell Revis. To me, in Jetland, he could kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to watch much fan, uh, preseason. We know we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah. I'm hoping Julie Allen throws a couple hard knocks parties. Um, if, before Pending. there's anything else we want to hit on with the Jets, I'm not. this was a while ago now, but I'm not sure we were able to speak about it yet. Uh, the Giants and Saquon Barkley do agree. Um, so he's here for this year. They still have the opportunity to tag him again next season, so we're probably going to have to do the same whole song and dance again, but for the Giants' sake, um, you know, he's not going to miss any games. It's not going to be a cloud hovering over the team, anything like that. I think for the immediate future for this season, um, you know, that's great for the Giants. Yeah, and I again, I think it's the running back position overall is in just a terrible place, uh, you know, just money-wise. And, you know, if you're – if you're imagine you got drafted to be a running back in this year's draft and you're seeing, you know – it's like it's like telling you whatever your career you're in. Hey, yeah, uh, you know, in four years you're you're done. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think the players are proving, you know, especially Le'Veon Bell, they're kind of proving that you know holding out and all that it's not going to work. You're not going to get your deal. So, you know, and I've heard I, I forget who it was, um, some ex NFL running back, kind of just saying your only real option is to try to stay healthy and go out there and have a great season. If you get tagged again. Well, it's another year where you don't have any financial security per se, but you're making a lot of money that season. So slap as many tags on me as you want kind of thing. Try and stay healthy and go out there and grind. That's really the only option for the NFL running back now. And, you know, it's upsetting, especially when it's a guy like Saquon who sells a ton of jerseys. He's, you know, the face of the franchise. Um, Seems like a great kid. But, you know, whatever. He's here for this year. We'll deal with it again next year. That's really the only option the Giants have. And, um, you know, props to the Giants for kind of standing pat. This is a great deal for the Giants. I'll never understand any fan that just says 
we'll give him whatever he wants because he's X good and he's whatever. It, it just doesn't work that way, especially at this position. Yeah, but but like you're right. It's just a great deal for the Giants because at the end of the day, you know, not looking at looking at it from like a year by year perspective, they're getting a, an elite offensive talent for what is it, eleven million dollars? Was it? Is that the deal? Somewhere their whole off. They just got their whole offense for eleven million dollars, pretty much. Yeah, you know that's that's a lot of teams. Teams are spend are spending you know big money wide receivers big money tight ends, this guy, that guy, and that the Giants got one guy at the lowest position, at the lowest, con, uh, I guess, valued position for to be their entire offense. It's, it's, I mean, it's from a cost perspective, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think talking about the Giants, now that we can kind of put the Giants' uh, last puzzle piece there together, we'll, just, you know, we'll get into, we're actually going to do a, uh, a a preview like a local preview we'll get into like every individual game prediction and kind of overarching thoughts before the season uh goes on but just real quick what do you now that Saquon's definitely there like how do you feel about the Giants this year because I'm on the fence uh I don't know like I want to say I'm on the fence too but I was really low on the Giants all last year I don't know if you remember like I was picking them to lose left and right uh they surprised and I don't think they got any worse you know as a matter of fact they added uh, a giant target in Darren Waller. And if he's healthy, I mean, he makes a gigantic difference, especially for a developing quarterback like Daniel Jones. Um, I, I don't want to make any prediction yet on whether they're going to get in, whether they won't or what their record record will be. Um, but I think that they're a team that is going to be vying for a wild card spot. Once again, I don't know why they wouldn't be. Yeah, the, it, the, I agree. I think, I, I mean, the only thing I can see is do we see Daniel Jones regression? Like how much was last year, what, where is, like, we always talk about this in baseball, like, you know, one guy has a great year and then has a down year, but he's probably in the middle there. I don't want to say Daniel Jones had like a great year last year, you know, numbers wise, but is, if that is Daniel Jones's great year and he's somewhere in the middle of like, you know, 2021, 20, uh, 20 Daniel Jones, I guess, or 2021, I guess, if he's somewhere in the middle there, that's a little concerning, is it not? Yeah. I think your concern if you're a Giants fan would be, that this season, you know, for the sake of his progression, you kind of take the kid gloves, gloves off and uh, you take the training wheels off and then he maybe doesn't really have it or it doesn't look the way he did last season. I think that would be what you're worried about. Um, but, like, yeah. if he takes a jump from last season, then he's the guy. That's it. I, I agree. And I and truthfully, I, I root for Daniel Jones. I like him a lot. I, oh, I, think, he, I think he's good. Uh, I, I Obviously, like, you know – from a quarterback perspective, not necessarily even just Daniel Jones, you know, if you come in and you start throwing interceptions and your decision-making is off, that's fine. But like, I think Daniel Jones has the legs. He has the talent. I think his mind is, his mind has been progressing as far as, you know, reading a defense, making the right reads, when to run, when to throw, when to escape. I mean, I think the kid has it. I I think he's, uh, that's another very undersung thing is like, you know, there's, there's runners. He's a, he's like a straight line runner. So it's not very much like obviously getting hit is, would be an issue. And you got to worry about concussions when he does run the ball and stuff like that. But uh, as far as like a guy like, like Lamar Jackson or any of these like really shifty uh, sort of runners, whether at any position, you don't really worry about Daniel Jones, you know, stepping wrong on like a juke and, you know, tearing his ACL quote unquote, uh, but 
you know, it's not, he's not really like a high risk guy. I feel like, like he's smart with when he runs, like he knows when to get down. And, but again, at the same time, he's also tough. If you're at the one yard line and you need that one yard, Daniel Jones is definitely an option. Yes. So, so I, I like, I like the perspective of Daniel Jones and you know what he kind of, I can see him being, uh, I, I don't really have a quarterback comp off the top of my head, you know, but I think, I, I do think that, Daniel Jones is probably closer to what he was last year than, than prior. I agree. Yeah. So it would be unfair I, to assume otherwise when, you know, the first time you gave him a competent uh, coaching staff, he, he played well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that everyone's, everyone seems to be high in this Hyatt kid that they drafted this wide receiver. That's every day I see tweets from their training camp about Hyatt with an unbelievable catch. This continues to impress. I keep saying every day is continues to impress. That can only mean one thing he's going to be good. So yeah. uh, the Giants look like they have some weapons on the outside um, there. I think I actually thought their defense was a little underrated last year, uh, you know, stats wise. I thought they were, I thought they were like a, every time I saw, I feel like I watched them. They, they played well, ex- except obviously the caveat being the playoff game. Um, but, or the, yeah, but the they were no Minnesota the Vikings, you know, like that's a bad defense. The Giants. Yeah, exactly. They, just, they had a couple holes. But no, I, yeah, I think, but I think they were, even with those holes, I think they were still playing very well. And I'd be, I'm interested, I'm really interested in, I think if I'm looking at the Giants, I think, you know, the, my three biggest like things to look for, I'd probably say, obviously, number one is, you know, who Daniel Jones really is. Another good year of him means, you know, can solidify his job. Um, but I, I'm really interested in how the defense plays because this is, uh, again, Wink Martindale, uh, the, the defensive coordinator, he's, he's been solid. He was, a, he was, uh, was he Lamar Jackson's, um, he was Lamar Jackson's defensive coordinator on those good Ravens teams a few years ago. And again, I, I, I think I like their, their schemes and what they do. And you're right. They just had a couple holes last year. So, uh, hopefully they, they can fill those and then be a really formidable defense for, uh, to really help Daniel Jones, right. That we always talk about how defense helps an offense. Yeah. So, that's all my really thoughts on the Giants. Uh, anything else you want to talk about the NFL? I mean, again, no, we'll, we'll get I mean, more when, into it. What, at what point would you just just put your NFL hat on? Like when? Like how bad does this have to get for the Yankees for you to just be like, all right, like to get where I'm at right now with the Mets? Well, I, I mean, I think they'd have to really, really start waving the white flag. And you know, if if they let's say they, uh, I think it's going to be a thing like you'll know kind of thing. Like by right. the as way they do right their lineups, you're in. Yeah, they they out when after the uh the trade deadline cashman gave like a press conference uh and said something about you know people were asking about this prospect that prospect and he mentioned a couple guys and like everson Pereira being one of them like you know just a couple like you know not random yankee prospects but guys that are performing well i think once you start seeing like those guys come up that's when it obviously be like all right what's you know this season's kind of a lost season you know i'd say maybe like if in a month from now they're like five games out of a wild card spot or even more, I think maybe five or more is my, uh, is going to be my, my white flag myself. Let's just say that. That's fair. So, cause what are the, what are the Mets right now? Do you even know? Like, what are they out of the wild card technically right now? Oh, who cares? Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like what were they when they traded Robertson five, six, I, I think more, but I, I mean, at this point now, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I was, I was just, I was just asking because I was, I was curious. All right, but I, I, you know what? And I'll figure that out for you. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess nine and a half is going to be my guess. That's a pure guess. 
Okay. Are you punching that up? Yes, I am. Uh, right now, they are. Right now, they're only seven and a half back. So it was probably, wow. you're probably right the first time saying it was probably about five, five and a half, six. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew it was like five, five or, or maybe even four and a half when they traded Robertson, but obviously getting swept by the Royals. But uh, yeah, because I remember there was people that were saying like, you know, they should have waited like a day or two because, you know, they win two games and the team in front of them loses two. Now they're only one out. So I think that they almost like they almost did it just so they wouldn't fool themselves into. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, just, they ripped like, the bandaid off. This going now because, you know, the, the schedule gets really easy right now. And they, again, they just got swept by the Royals. But like if they went on a five game winning streak or something there, I could have totally seen the Mets just keeping it all together. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that it's good that they pulled the bandaid off, but um, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, nothing else more to say on my end, Matt, anything before we get out of here? No, that was a, that was a nice, easy moving kind of compact, but got everything out sort of show. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, let's I'm not even say let's go Mets. I guess let's go Yankees win the series question mark. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's a four game set or a two, four. So they can win nice. three or four and, and start talking. But I, you um, know what? I'm right. going to be locked in on the Yankees tonight. There we go. Hopefully they play. It's supposed to rain. But all right. Go Yankees. Adios. Thank you for listening. Bye.